this morning, for this moment, all month long. Some of you have been eyeballing some presents underneath the tree, waiting and waiting and waiting. But did you know that as a church in our uh, church calendar, we've been in the season of Advent, which is a time of waiting. It's remembering that God's people 2,000 years ago were waiting on their Messiah, waiting on their Savior. See, they knew that God had promised them a Savior, so they're anxiously waiting. They're anticipating. They can't wait. And see, Christmas Day is the culmination of it all. It is the celebration of the birth of Christ. There's no more waiting. He's actually here. We get to celebrate that. It actually kicks off the Christmas season that goes on for 12 days. Some people say Christmas is a day. It's actually a season. Did you know that? It's 12 days long. And so just whenever you thought that you can uh, take down the tree and take down the Christmas lights and also turn off all that Christmas music, uh uh-uh. <laughs> you got 12 more days of it. You got to crank the Christmas music. Come on, sing joy to the world. Sing it loud. Sing it loud on January 5th. See, it's Christmas. In the midst of the lights and the toys and eating lots of unhealthy food, we are reminded that indeed Jesus is the reason for all of it. He is the reason for the season. Now, whenever I see a picture of the baby Jesus, he looks always so sweet and so helpless, right? Um, It's this precious little baby. Uh, We think of Matthew 1.23 they shall call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. See, God is present. God is with us today. As John 1 says, the word became flesh. Jesus, God became flesh. We call that the incarnation. See, God is not distant, but rather he is near. Rather he is, is with us. And God sent him as a cute, cuddly, sweet, precious baby. You know, much like we would have pictured here. Or we'd have, um, I stole this from the nativity scene under the tree. All right, the cute, sweet, cuddly baby Jesus. And, and I think that this is a very important uh, aspect of the, Christ, the Christmas story, the Christmas message, that, that is true and it's important. And I want you guys to get, okay, that God sent Jesus as a sweet, cute, cuddly baby. But I think that in the midst of all of that, I, I think that at least for me, one aspect of, um, of this Christmas message that I tend to forget is that Jesus is not just a cute, sweet, cuddly, precious baby, but rather he's king. And, and what does it mean that, that Jesus, as the, as the baby, is king? Have you really ever stopped and thought about that? Have you really ever thought about what does that mean? What does that look like? What are the implications of that? Well, I think that that's our first point here. So Jesus is king. Honestly, I've struggled with this a little bit in prepping for this because what does it really mean? What does it really look like? And here's the thing, in 21st century America, I don't think we really have a firm grasp on what this looks like. After all, why would we? We don't have a king. We have a president, right? So, okay, let's look at England. I guess they're the kind of the closest thing to that. Uh, in 2013 and 2015, we had some royal births. We had uh, Kate Middleton and Prince William. They had their two children. We have Prince George and we have Princess Charlotte. And whenever they were born, I'm sure you guys remember, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, I'm sure you guys remember, it was a big deal. 
It was all over the newspapers. I mean, it was, um, it was a royal big birth announcement. They even had parades. They had feasts. Lots and lots of media attention. And after all, they should because these are royal births. These children are heirs to the throne. They're literally in line. Uh, as, as babies, they are number three and number four in line to the throne right now. So it should be a big deal. And so I guess this helps understand the excitement, and I think it helps us understand the importance of a royal birth. But just look at the difference for just a second. Obviously, we have Jesus where he was born. There was no castle. There was no parade. There was no media attention. Instead, Jesus was born where the animals were kept, and he was placed in a feeding trough. You guys ever seen an animal feeding trough? For those of you who are germaphobes out there, <laughs> you imagine placing a baby? Yeah. Nothing says royalty like a delivery room that is not even fit for a human, right? Only animals. But look at the theological significance here. See, Jesus' kingdom, it's not just for the elite. It's, it's not just about a royal family. Rather, it's about for everyone. It's for the poor, it's for the oppressed, it's for the humbled. See, Jesus' humble and lowly beginnings here shows us that Jesus knows exactly what it means to be fully human. He, he gets us, he gets, and he can relate to us and knows exactly what it's like. But you see, unlike Prince George and Princess Charlotte, who are heirs to the throne, they're in line, they have to wait to become king or queen. Jesus is born as the king. From the moment that he's born, he is king. So he doesn't have to wait to be crowned. See, the message of Christmas is that the king is here. The king is born. And really, shouldn't this change the way that we look at the newborn baby, the Christ child? Whenever we have nativity sets like this, or whenever we have banners like this, shouldn't this change the way that we look at the cute, sweet, innocent, precious baby Jesus? That he's not just any baby, but rather he is king. See, what's interesting is that in Bethlehem, no one really understood that Jesus was the king. Um, certainly, uh, the shepherds appeared, but, and they did because angels told them to. <laughs> but even them, I wonder how much they fully got that the king is here. The most unlikely people, however, did get it. And they were the Magi. See, the Magi, they came from the East. Uh, they were very in tune with prophecies and, and stars. Uh, they weren't Jewish, but they knew the Old Testament prophecies clearly. Um, here's one that was well known, just kind of in that whole ancient Near Eastern area here from Isaiah. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And here's another one that talks about how Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. It says, And you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler. You guys hear that? From, from you, from Bethlehem, shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
So the Magi, so they see the star, and then first they go to Jerusalem. They start in the capital because that's where you would start if you're looking for a king, right? You're looking for the royal family. And so um, they first come to King Herod because that's where you start. You start with the royal family. And it turns out that King Herod did not really like the message that there was a new king in town. Uh, In fact, King Herod was very paranoid about that. He did not like that message because he's the king, right? And so, um, but they're redirected by the Pharisees, by the teachers and scribes, and everyone knew it. They said, no, no, the Messiah is going to come from Bethlehem. So they redirect these magi now to Bethlehem, and the star guides them. This, the star, I mean, it must have appeared unlike anything we've ever seen. It must have been just a divine miracle, uh, something so bright that it's unmistakable. And, and really what it says is it says that it guided the magi to the house where Jesus was living. And so you just kind of imagine, well, what would that have even looked like? I mean, it must have been like this bright laser beam right over Jesus's house. Because if you think about it, if you have neighbors, all right, it's like not this house, right? Not that house, this one, this is the one. And so you got to imagine that these magi uh, probably traveled in a caravan of 40 or more. I, I know there's uh, three gifts of the magi, uh, the Bible talks about, but doesn't say how many, probably a lot if you're traveling through the desert, right? So this caravan of, of these wealthy, uh, important, um, you know, priests or kings or wise men, these magi, uh, you got to imagine them, them showing up in Bethlehem and then being guided by the star directly to Jesus's house. Now, again, they're looking to worship the new king, And whenever they get there, I'm sure that Jesus' house did not look like a castle. It might have looked more like a shack. I don't know. But definitely middle, lower class here. And so they show up, and they're probably thinking, did we get the wrong house? It's kind of like, have you ever knocked on someone's door to find out you're at the wrong house? Have you ever done that? Oh, it's so awkward, right? We, uh, as a fundraiser with our youth group, we flamingo uh, people's houses, and sometimes we even flamingo the wrong house. It makes interesting conversation the next day, I'll tell you that. But can you imagine? They must have felt like that. Are we at the wrong place? But they show up, and, and just look at the faithfulness of, of the Magi here. It, it, the Bible, I'm just you know, putting this in context, but the Bible doesn't talk about their doubt at all. The Bible says they shut up, and then whenever they saw the Christ child, who was probably a toddler at that point, they actually bowed down and they worshiped him, and they gave him good gifts. See, I think that that's important for this Christmas message, because as, as easy it is just to look at the Christ child and say, oh, isn't he so sweet and cuddly and precious, the Magi understood his kingship. The Magi got that he was king. And out of anyone in the birth narrative here, they're the ones who were the most reverent and who bowed down and they worshiped him. And they gave him good gifts. Some of the best gifts in the world at the time. We're talking gold and frankincense and myrrh. And I don't have much experience with, um, well, actually with all three of them. (laughs) But but definitely not uh, frankincense and myrrh. And so I found these online. Apparently, you can get these on the World Wide Web. These are resins. This is frankincense, and this is myrrh. And you can reduce it down to an oil. My wife has um, essential oil of frankincense, and honestly, it smells terrible. But 
Sudu, all of the essential oils, in my opinion. So there's that. Um, and then myrrh as well. But I guess these have healing properties. They're used in perfumes. Very rare. But at the time, this was the best of the best. This is like the latest generation iPad, okay, at the time. That, that they were able to came and they gave to the Christ child. They gave to Jesus. And they gave the best gifts in the world. They bowed down. They worshiped him. And so really, I, I challenge you guys this, this Christmas, whenever we think of the baby Jesus or whenever we look at the baby Jesus, either in a nativity scene or on a banner or on TV or uh, as a decoration in someone's yard or something, that we don't just look at it and say, well, that's a cute, cuddly baby, but rather we think of Jesus' kingship. And we say, that's the newborn king right there. And that we act the same way that the Magi did to have this reverence, this bow down, this worship of the newborn king. Uh, later in the service, we actually get to do something pretty special, something we've uh, never done here before at St. Mark. And that's that on Christmas Day, that we're the ones who are giving the gifts. Just as the Magi gave good gifts to Jesus, so too uh, does this congregation have the opportunity to give to those in need. And so um, this is actually from the 8 o'clock service, um, which for me just blows me away of just how much uh, good gifts are in here. It's uh, really neat. We have two organizations, the Arizona Helping Hands and Phoenix Rescue Mission. And these are all collected um, at the, prior to the 8 o'clock service, and then we brought them up here, um, kind of, you know, muscled them up here because I think they're pretty heavy, um, right after the offering. And at this service, we get to do that as well. And so it's, a, it's cool symbolism that it's uh, in front of the altar because the altar in the Bible is always a place of sacrifice and of offering. And so we get to do that even later in the service that we get to present, um, just as the Magi did, that presented good gifts to the baby Jesus. So too, we get to present good gifts to, to God and to those in need on this Christmas morning. But just look at the, the faithfulness of the Magi. They got it right. They bowed down. They gave good gifts. They recognized his kingship. So I think, too, we need to recognize Christ's kingship. Well, what else should we do? The second thing is that we need to recognize that Jesus is powerful. See, he's not just any baby, but rather he's the Messiah. He is Lord. He is God in flesh. He's the second member of the Trinity. The Bible says that all things were created through him. And in Isaiah 9, it says this, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says this. He says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Check that out. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. So the, this, this newborn baby, this, this, this Christ child is powerful. And you may say, well, that's interesting. But why does that matter today? Well, I can tell you because we all need strength. Whether we admit it or not, I think that life is just too hard to do on our own. It really is. In fact, I think that many of us can look back at this past month and just recognize, you know what, that 
This past month, December, has been a hard year, or has been a hard month. After all, it's the most wonderful time of year. We talk about good tidings, good cheer, the good of humanity. But also, uh, we have things like stress and depression and alcoholism are all on the rise in the month of December. Did you know that February actually has the most amount of divorces filed? And you say, well, why February? And it's because of the holidays. Or maybe it's because you look at uh, the credit card statements in January. Uh, but either way, it's this, it's this recognition that, you know, the holidays can sometimes be really, really difficult on a marriage. It can be difficult on a family. And in fact, uh, that's why Pastor Mike in January is doing a series called Surviving the Holidays. And it's just for that. So come back for that. You're going to want to be there for it. So maybe you felt a little bit of the stress of the holidays and just realized that you just can't do this on your own. And that's why we need God. And that's why the good news is that God is there to lean on. And that he has this strength. He has this power. So we don't need to try to be king of our lives. We, we don't need to be God. We don't need to be in control. Rather that we can let go and allow God to be king. Allow God to be God and God to be in control. See, no matter how chaotic or how hard life gets, we can remember that Jesus is the powerful king. And then finally, we need to be reminded that Jesus' kingship means that Jesus defeated sin, death, and the devil. See, whenever you think of a king, you think of a crown, you think of a throne, a castle, you think of this earthly kingdom. But here's the thing, that that Jesus' kingdom is not just about earth, but rather his focus is on heaven. It's on eternity. John 18, Jesus says this, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were... My servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying that I'm a king. See, everyone at the time thought that this Messiah who was prophesied was going to come and was going to overthrow the Romans. Now, could you imagine if Jesus did that and only that? It would be something we read about in history books. But the problem of sin would still be there. See, Jesus came to save us from our sins. And he did conquer the enemy. But rather, he conquered sin, death, and the devil on the cross. See, like our video said, he was born. But get this, the message of Christmas actually is that he was born to die. He was born to die on the cross. And his whole life was pointing to the moment when he was on the cross where he suffered and he bled. And at that moment that he paid for our sins. So all the mistakes that you made, all the regrets, all of the failures in your life, all of the things that, times that you've disobeyed God, times that you've turned your back on him, they're forgiven. It's like they never happened. The Bible says they're washed as white as snow. Matthew 1 says this, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from his sins. You know, the word Jesus, the original, uh, would have been uh, Yeshua or, or, 
uh, Joshua. And it literally means God saves. That's what Jesus means, God saves. Martin Luther, 500 years ago, was actually one of the first to encourage giving gifts on Christmas. And he says that it's to remind us that God gave us a gift too, which is Jesus, the Savior of the world and our King. And while it's fun to give gifts and it's even better to receive them, right? Or is it the other way around? But either way, may you remember that the best gift of all is not the one that you opened this morning. As cool as it, as cool as it is, as cool as it is to get the newest iPad or a motorcycle or whatever it is that you got this morning, as cool as those things are, they are stuff. They are things. And the best gift of all is not a thing, but rather it's a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ, who on Christmas morning 2,000 years ago was wrapped in swaddling cloths and was king. See, this king, he came to rule and he came to save you. And so on this Christmas morning, may you receive that message, that the message of Christmas is that God sent his son Jesus as king to save you. And all God's people said, amen. amen. And let us pray. Indeed, God, we do thank you for sending your son 2,000 years ago. And as John 3.16 says, the reason that you sent him was out of love, that you loved us so much that you didn't want to see us separated from you, but rather you wanted to see us reconciled to you. And that's why you sent your son Jesus to save us from our sins so we can be with you forever in heaven. And so, Lord, we pray that as we leave this place that we can think about you as the reason for the season and not just as a cute, cuddly, precious baby, but rather as king as the newborn king, and that's what we celebrate. We sing these words. We sing joy to the world uh, because, indeed, you came. The king is here. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.